just love you, Father. Why don't you just think about your Father in heaven right now and say, we just love you, Father. We love you, Father. Abba, Father, we love you. Abba, Father, we love you. Daddy, Father, we love you. We are your children. You are our Father. We give you all praise and glory. We give you our hearts tonight. We give you our love, Father God. Let the love of the Father fall around into this place right now. Lord, come and wrap your arms around your children tonight and let us know that you are our Father. We are your children. Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Just begin to cry that out right now. Daddy, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. We welcome you here. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, team. Please will stay here. Thanks very much. So beautiful. We're doing a, a series at the moment um, in the church on the spirit of sonship. And we really need to layer this in, you know. The Holy Spirit's been really pressing upon me to layer this in, to layer it in and layer it in. Do you know that it takes you 40 days to change a habit? That you have to say, you know, say you girls going on a diet, you know, and you, you reckon myself, I'm going to go on a diet today and I'm not going to eat, you know, um, anything, anything unhealthy anymore. Well, you've got to do that for 40 days for it to be our habit. You can't do it three days and then you go back. And so, we, you know, our brains, they need renewing. We have habits. We have ways of thinking. We have, we have ways of doing things that we've always done them that way. We've always thought that way. But, the, but God wants to what? Renew our minds. And how does he renew our minds? He says he renews our minds by the washing of the word. And as the word is spoken over you, there is power in the word of God. Amen. In the living word of God, there is power that changes lives and changes minds. It's not like reading a book and you read a book and it's just written words. But, but you see, the word of God is not just logos, written words, but it is the rhema word of God, amen. It is the word of God that is living, alive, and active. And when it goes out, it does something, and it doesn't return to God void. It never returns to God without having accomplished what it set out to do. So the word of God going out right now is beginning to change minds, change mindsets, change hearts, change us, our thinking towards God, to, about ourselves and towards each other. And that's exactly what God wants to do in this time and this season. And a few of the things that I say may be repetitive, but guess what? I may need to say them for 40 days. Amen. Amen. You know, otherwise we're going to go around the mountain for 40 years. You choose. You know, we might as well just get it right now. Amen. And so we've been speaking on the spirit of sonship and it's such a massive subject that it really deserves layering in and understanding it. Absolutely. Why? Because God, right in this season, right now in the season of the earth, so desperately wants to be known as Father. You know, he, he is your father. And he is in heaven, our father, who is in heaven. Our father, who is in heaven. And he's in heaven. 
And he longs to have a relationship with his children. He longs for the day, you know, when we actually get free of this place and we're actually with him forever, eternally. Do you know that you have eternal life in Jesus Christ and that you're going to be with Father God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, no end? And he is so looking forward to that day. But until that day, he has to just make do with this long-distance relationship where he can just come, you know, and come and be with us in the spirit. But one day we'll see him face to face, face to face, and we'll look into his face and he'll look into ours and we'll just, it'll just be the most content place you'll ever be. Amen. But now we just get glimpses. It's like we're just looking in a mirror. We're getting glimpses of it. One day we'll know fully though. One day we'll know fully. And he, right now, I believe that he is stepping up the revelation of who he is. You see, this last day's church is going to be the most mighty church the world has ever seen. But it won't be mighty because of the acts that we do, although they are mighty. But we will be known by our love. The church of the last days will be the most loving people the earth has ever seen. And we will be so, we will have so much love to pour out that people will just melt and they will want to know their Father. Amen. And so this message is getting our hearts right with God. And so we began to speak about this message and I'm layering it again. Amen. We began to speak about this message and we talked about how there are certain spiritual atmospheres over nations. And we talked about, say, if we went to America, then there would be a definite spiritual atmosphere over that nation. There are ruling spirits over nations. And if we go to America, we would find there would probably be a large percentage of the spirit of pride. There's a lot of pride. Now, that's good. It's good to have pride in your country and, you know, have have confidence and be able to be bold and be strong. Then it can go negative. And that, that pride can just become, you know, oppose God. Amen. And then if we go to Asian nations, we'll see that there's poverty and idolatry and that rules those nations. But in Australia, what is the spirit that's over our nation? It's rejection. You know, we're definitely not a proud people. We're a shy people. We're insecure. Many of us, if we really got down to it, we don't really like ourselves that much. We wrestle, inwardly wrestle with rejection daily. Because it's a spirit over our nation. It's here because we were birthed as convicts, as outcasts. And then the Aboriginal society that was here, they were killed. Their children were stolen. Amen. And, and there was just the whole birthing of this nation is quite a mess. It's quite a mess. Amen. It was all wrong. And, you know, in the church, the first experience as a nation that we had of the church was a hierarchy church that really just sent us here to die. And so, you know, the authority figures of the church put us in chains and tortured us as convicts. And you know what? You know, we just can't stand authority because of that. And so there's this whole thing. And you say, well, you know, I wasn't born in those days. I wasn't a convict, I wasn't an Aboriginal that was slaughtered or my family weren't slaughtered, but actually you were. Because the minute you come into this land, even if you're a foreigner coming into land, you come under the the spiritual atmosphere that's over this place because of the things that have happened in the soil of this land. You come into it. But you see, 
We as the church are never called to come under a spiritual atmosphere that is negative. As the church, we always are supposed to change atmospheres. It spoke of the disciples said they turned the known world upside down. Amen. And so we are in Australia. God has planted us here by one mean or means or another. Either we've come here and he's put us here and planted us here or we were born here. But whatever the reason that we're in this nation, we are in this nation as Christians to make a difference. Not to bow our knee to the spirit that's over this nation and become rejected and become, you know, offensive and become all weird and insecure and have to go to counseling for the rest of our lives because we just don't like ourselves. God doesn't want that. God wants you to be set free, to make a difference. Amen. To change atmospheres, to walk into your schools, into your workplaces, to to walk into the streets and the atmosphere changes. Amen. Do you think when Jesus walked the street that the atmosphere was the same as soon as he put his foot on that street? No. When the disciples walked the street, it says that people were raised from the dead and healed as their shadows passed by. And do you think that Jesus wants us to be any less effective than he was? He said, no greater work shall you do than I have done because I go to be with my father. But the key that Jesus had, what was the key that Jesus had to supernatural ministry, to changing atmospheres over nations, the key that he had was that he knew his father. He never moved. He did not make a move without his father. He didn't even wake up in the morning without talking to his father. And he definitely didn't go to bed at night without talking to his father. And sometimes he didn't sleep at all because he talked to him all night. And he was so in tune and in touch with his father. All you have to do is to read the Gospels to know how many times Jesus said, I don't do this because the Father said I shouldn't do it, and I and the Father are one, and the Father is this, and the Father, 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 Father. Because what was Jesus trying to do? Jesus had come to break the curse that happened in that garden. Amen. When man sinned against God, he was separated from his Father in heaven. He was separated from relationship with his Father. And Jesus Christ came. Amen. To take God out of the box, to take Father God out of this place where he was set behind a curtain, separated from his people. It says when Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was rent in two and the presence of God came out into the world again. And once again, man could talk to God and God could talk to man. Amen. Once again, there was relationship Once again, the Father God was released to his people. Can you imagine how he felt that day? There he is, his presence behind a curtain. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for that moment when Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And as soon as Jesus said that, and out he came. And God, he'd been in there for centuries waiting and waiting to be with his people since the day in that garden when his heart was broken and his people turned away from him. He's been longing for his children again. And now he's out. He's out and he's public and he wants to get with us. He wants to wrestle us. He wants to look at us in the eye and he wants to be our father. Woo. <laughs> Got that much out. Amen. (laughs) I'm so passionate about this because he is so passionate about this in me. Amen. And so Jesus came to declare that the Father is arrived. Amen. 
And when the disciples said, how should we pray? He says, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. It wasn't all these other names for God. Now it's brought down to, he's your Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. Jesus is trying to layer it in. He's your Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. He's your Father. And Jesus goes to be water baptized and John the Baptist water baptizes him and a dove comes from heaven and lands on him and the heavens open and a voice comes out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father was literally declaring to the whole world right then and there that I have established my fatherhood again. And this is the first son of many sons and daughters. This is my people and I'm bringing them home to me. I'm bringing them back to me and I will be a father and they will be my sons and daughters. Amen. And immediately Jesus is taken into the desert where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. And the first thing Satan says to him, the first thing he challenges is this. He says to Jesus, if you really are the son of God, if you really are the son of God, he wanted to challenge that because he wanted the world to remain fatherless and he wanted the world to keep an orphan spirit not belonging, never belonging, roaming around, fatherless people. But God was establishing himself as father. Is that good? Amen. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 says this, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons and daughters because you are sons and daughters this is my abbreviated version god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and since you are a son god has also made you an heir the minute you were born again the spirit of jesus came inside of you And the spirit of Jesus began to cry out from inside of you, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. Abba, Father. Daddy, Father. And there's a cry right now inside of you, even as I'm speaking this, that says that that your spirit is witnessing with my spirit, is witnessing with these words, that it is true, that inside you there is a cry that's crying out, Abba, Father. Jesus so desperately wants you to know the Father the way that he knows the Father in an intimate relationship. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. When he was in the garden, you know, in the, in the darkest moments of his life, in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating blood. Do you know the words that he spoke right then? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He was that intimate with his father that even at that most desperate moment, he could just cry all the words, the only words that he could speak. Abba, Father. Daddy. Daddy. Hold me, Daddy. Hold me, Daddy. He was completely dependent 
upon his father. And that's how he wants you to be. He doesn't want us to be independent. And coming under the spirit of rejection in this this nation, we remain independent. We remain separated. We remain stubborn. We reject before we get rejected. We don't want to come close to God. We don't want to come too close to each other. We just keep those walls safely around us. We're scared if God comes too close to us that he'd really see who we are and then he wouldn't really like us at all. Because if he knew who I was inside. But I've got news for you. He knows parts of you that you don't even know yourself. Scriptures say we don't even know our own hearts. He knows everything about you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows when you stand up, when you sit down. He already knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he calls it beautiful. And he calls it redeemed. And he calls it grace. And he looks at you, his children. And he wants to declare to you that you are no longer separated from him. Why have you put a curtain up again when I took the curtain down? Why do you separate yourself from me when I am the father who loves you? Take the curtain down, the curtain of rejection, and let me in. Let me heal you. Let me change you. Let me redeem your soul. I mean, the spirit of rejection over our nation is one thing. But how many times do you think the enemy in your lives has has tried to reiterate that? How many times do you think that he's done that in your lives? Just try to wedge that in, that fear of rejection, that, you know, that, that whole rejection thing, you know, teachers say stuff to you, your parents, brothers and sisters. I mean, right through your life, he's just been driving that stake in, driving that stake in, driving that false, that false lie home. And that's why I'm saying to you, it's going to take a while to change our thinking. Amen? It's going to take a little while to change our thinking. When my kids were growing up, you know, they're, they're little, little children and I always wanted children and I was told um, by doctors that I'd never have children when I was 17 years old. 17 years old, I had cancer. They said, you'll never have children. And so now I'm 24, I meet Phil and he falls in love with me. I say to him, he wants to marry me. I said, look, you can marry if you want, but I can't give you children. I can't ever have children. And it was such a desire. I don't know about, you know, some girls are just really dolly girls. You know, I was a dolly girl. So I always wanted to be a mom. And I always had my dollies and my baby dolls. And just a real natural mom just wanted so desperately for that to happen for me. And so, and so you know, we, we were born again and water baptized. And a few months later, I was really sick. And I went to the doctors thinking that cancer had come back to my cancer specialist. And he did a blood test. He said, Julie, your cancer hasn't come back. You're pregnant. And I said, how did that happen? He said, I don't know. 
and he was a Buddhist. He said, maybe that God you're starting to pray to. He said, probably is. After the fourth one, he had to concede that, that it was. Amen. Amen. And then I had to ask him to stop it. I mean, that's just like that tap, you know, just turn the tap off now, God. It's okay, I'm blessed. I have an abundance. My quiver is full. And, uh, and so I had these kids, you know, I had these amazing children, but I was really protective over them. I, and I used to think it was just because I was one of kids, and so I'm really protective over these kids, but I had this real thing. And Phil used to say, let the kids go out in the backyard and play. No, 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 no. Not if not, someone's not with them. I don't want to, and I was just really protective. And I realized as time went on that I had this real fear. And it was a real fear. It was a crippling fear. That if my kids were out of my sight, I'd just be, you know. And, and then as they're getting older and they're starting to go out and do stuff, then this fear became worse. And now it's like I'm awake at night and I'm feeling like I'm having like anxiety attacks when they're five minutes late. And, I'm trying, and their mobile phones aren't working. What's going on? And, this is, and I'm freaking out. I'm really freaking out. I'm thinking, this is wrong. Maybe I need counselling. Like, this is really a big stronghold in my life. And when I thought about it, I thought, what is this? What is this? And, and, and you know, I really clearly thought... I'm afraid someone's going to steal my children. I really had this fear, someone's going to steal my children. And I couldn't put, why? Why have I got this fear? I don't know why I've got this fear. I don't know why I live in this place. I was on sort of some, under some sort of spiritual atmosphere that I didn't understand. And I went to a counsellor and asked a counsellor and a counsellor couldn't work it out. I have this fear that someone's going to take my children. I can't let them out of my sight. Someone's going to steal my children. And it was a just... You know, a few years later, that, that it started to unfold my life, things that we had never known about our ancestors, about our family. And then it came out that my, my grandmother was a stolen generation Aboriginal. Never knew it. My mother never even knew that she was because it was just all kept secret and we didn't talk about it. And, and, and that, my, that my grandmother had been stolen from her mother. And that my mother and all her brothers and sisters were on the list to be stolen. They found the list. They showed my mother. There's your name. It's on the list. You were supposed to be taken, but they couldn't find you because your mother ran so much and hid you that, that they never found you. And my mother remembered in the middle of the night getting woken up, getting thrown into the back of a car and being driven to another location, going to another school and having to make new friends. And she hated her mother for that. And she never knew why her mother ran all the time. So here I am, I know nothing about this, nothing about it. And here I am, I've got these teenage children now that I'm freaking out. And the minute that I realised what my grandma had been through and I, and I realised the truth, I was completely set free. I never had that fear again. You see, the scriptures say, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Amen? The truth will set you free. I'm trying to bring you truth tonight in the hope that it will set you free. Many of you sitting here tonight probably think, yeah, I live with rejection. I can't stand myself. I'm always beating myself up. What is that? You know, I'm afraid to get into relationships. I'm afraid to make deep friendships. I'm afraid to let God too close. 
And if we were honest tonight, we would all put our hand up and say, actually, I've struggled with that in my life and I probably still am right now. Because we're under a spiritual atmosphere that we don't understand. But the Lord is calling us to rise up out of that. Amen? And the only way we can rise up out of that is to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, when, when the Father speaks and he tells you who you are, then suddenly all the lies just fall off. And the enemy wants to keep you out of relationship with your father because he wants to lie to you and he wants to torment you and torture you and destroy you. Yes, you may be a Christian, you may be going to heaven, but your life down here is going to be hell, he reckons. And you're never going to be effective. But can you imagine if we just one day the heavens opened and we heard a voice from heaven. This is my son whom I am well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. If we could hear the truth tonight, if you could just hear what God wants to say to you tonight, to you personally, you would never ever be the same. If you could just hear it, if you could get past the rejection in your head for one second to hear his voice, you would be changed forever. That truth would set you free like that. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet right now in Jesus' name. Just lift that up for me, Lisa. Oh, God, we just thank you right now. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something that's very unusual in Pentecostal church. I'm going to ask you to be still and know that he is God. I'm going to ask you to just shut out all distractions right now. Close your eyes, and I'm going to ask the Father to speak. Just bring that down, Lisa. I just want real quiet. I'm going to ask the Father to speak. In fact, why don't you ask the Father? You know, you can ask this thing. You can say this to Father God. I've heard what the enemy has said about me for years now. But tonight, Father, what do you say about me? And I want you to hear what he says. Amen. Why don't you ask him that question right now?
love you tonight. We just love you tonight, Father. Oh, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. Why don't you say that right now? Just Abba Father, Abba Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you. I take authority right now over this orphan spirit, over this spirit of rejection in the name of Jesus Christ, and I bind it in the name of Jesus, of the minds of these people, of the hearts of these people, of the lives of these people. Thank you, Lord. It is bound right now. I still the voices. I still the thoughts in Jesus' name. Near this scripture in Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughtership, by which we cry, Abba, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I loose the spirit of of sonship over these people. I release right now the spirit of daughtership over these people in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that in the weeks to come, in the days to come, there will be a slow unraveling of the Father's heart to his people. I thank you, Lord, that as we begin to renew our minds, as we begin to recognize the lies and walk in truth, that you will reveal yourself more and more and more and more and more. In Jesus' name, precious Lord, just while the band comes, every eye closed, if you're in this house tonight, maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you think, you know, I'd really love to be a son or a daughter of God, but actually I've never even asked. You know, the Bible says that we just need to ask and believe. Just ask and believe. Jesus has paid the price for that curtain to be rent in two, for Father to come and be a part of your life. And tonight it's just a simple prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I want to come into a relationship with my Father. Just now, while every eye is closed, right across this congregation, just slip your hand up and wave to me if you want to pray that prayer with me tonight. Don't miss this opportunity. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe you need to come back to him tonight and say, look, I need to get back into a relationship. You know, I've been a Christian once, but, you know, I'm out of relationship. I know that I'm not right with God. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now right across this room every eye is still closed no one's watching no one's looking this is just between you and your father amen i'm not going to embarrass you just want to pray a little prayer with you is there anyone